Fandom University. Every other week, we deep dive into the topics we love and obsess over. Comics, novels, movies, sci-fi, and video games receive the elevated discourse they deserve. With your overworked TAs, Sean and Sergio. Hello and welcome all you shapes and all you shroads out there to another fantabulous episode of Fandom University. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. Welcome to the third and final episode of the Michael Myers, Laurie Strode Halloween arc, in which we will discuss the brand spanking new Halloween Kills movie. Uh, not the not the best rated movie I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, somewhat surprising there, and we'll discuss that if it's uh, if a thirty nine percent rotten percentage uh, uh, for rating on Rotten Tomatoes is is warranted or not. Yeah, <laughs> as of this morning, that's what it was at. But we'll uh, we'll talk a uh, a little bit of uh, the plot. Uh, it'll be, it'll be spoiler relatively spoiler free. Uh, once we get to um, talk about like key points of the movie, we'll pull pull out a, a spoiler uh, warning so that if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you can definitely uh, skip that portion of it. And let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Halloween Kills is a direct sequel to Halloween, the 2018 retcon slash reboot slash sequel to the original Halloween. Uh, it's all three of those things, and it does it masterfully well. Yes. Uh, uh, Halloween Kills is the second part of a planned trilogy with Halloween being the first part, and next year's Halloween Ends being the third. Uh, so it continues the story. It continues the story uh, post-Halloween uh, where... Michael is uh, supposedly trapped inside of Laurie Strode's burning compound. And the, the Strode, three generations of Strode women think that they finally got Mikey Myers, but haha, fire's nothing. If you had seen, <laughs> if you had seen Halloween's two and five, I think, you realize <laughs> Michael Myers fears no fire. There is not a flame alive that would that would. Get, that can get, hurt him. That'll keep get him quaking in his jumpsuit. It'll singe his mask a little, and that's about the worst. That's that'll about happen to it. Him. Um, it won't even melt his mask to his face. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's something like that a mask. Uh, just, just a little sooty, a little yeah, sooty. That, that mask is of amazing quality. Like bought in nineteen, uh, stolen in nineteen seventy eight. Probably produced that same year, I would guess, cheaply. Uh, and still holding together 40 years later after all of these adventures. That's the kind of quality you don't get into products anymore in mm-hmm. 2020. No. Uh-huh. Or 2021. Either one of those that years. That hasn't reversed in the last year. <laughs> we haven't gone back to that. 2021, <laughs> we're going back to that 1978 mass quality. So Michael <laughs> Myers uh, escapes. Uh, that's not too spoilerific, I would say. That's, that's in the trailer, yeah. Um, and the mo- the plot of the movie really centers around the town of Haddonfield, sort of, um, sort of freaking out and galvanizing, and trying to trying to put an end to Michael Myers once and for all. Uh, and and we we kind of follow several different plot lines and uh, and several different characters. And for the most part, uh, Laurie Stroh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, 
they kind of pull a Halloween too, and she's not really in much of the movie. She's in the beginning. She has a few scenes in the middle and doesn't really play an integral part to the plot. No, yeah, she's sort of um, sidelined for most of, I would say even more sidelined than she was in Halloween too, because like even at least in Halloween too, there's a final confrontation that she took part in. Yeah, she she definitely um, kicks it up in the in the third act in Halloween too. But this one, she's sort of like a, a background character almost. Yeah, she's sort of like the Greek chorus because she gives that a, like more than one monologue about yeah. what Michael is and means and all of that. Um, so like, there's one around the midpoint, I think, or maybe around the two act, the the second to third act break, and then there's one right at the very end of the movie. Um, so she. She's a presence, but she's definitely sidelined for most of the movie, which is a very interesting choice. This movie is full of interesting choices. Um, the first of which we'll talk about is uh, Dr. Loomis returns. Donald Pleasance in CGI form returns at the beginning of the movie in a, in a flashback sequence that takes place the uh, same night. It's sort of... Um, uh, uh, so it doesn't sort of it tells you explicitly what happens after Halloween the original Halloween movie ends after Laurie Strode uh, you know fights them off Don, uh, Dr. Loomis puts six six uh, six slugs <laughs> in him shoots him six times as uh, as shot he, him in the heart not even as, human yeah as he uh, would tell anyone who would listen um, <laughs> but uh, it, it tells about you know what happened directly afterwards and yeah, they they CGI Loomis into the movie. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? What do you think of um, like the the way you uh, you pose it is the ethics and aesthetics of using deceased actors in new media? So to me, it was immediately distracting um, and didn't really add much to the movie because all I was thinking about once I heard the Loomis impersonator was that doesn't sound quite right to me. Like it's almost right, but it's not right. And how unnecessary it felt to me. Um, you could have done the exact same scene just without Loomis running in that. I mean, I, I understand why you would do it. You know, it's a nice little fan nod. Um, but to me, it, it yanked me right out because it's like, I know that dude's dead. Like, <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, we, we talked about like, whether that's going to matter, you know, if there are still people watching this movie in 40 years, whether they're going to care, like, you know, teenagers, like, yeah. Or a teenager who doesn't know Donald Pleasance has, has passed away. Right. Right. Or yeah, like exactly. Um, or, or kids watching rogue one, you know, where they recreated grand Moff Tarkin in CGI instead of just casting a different actor for some reason. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know how I feel about it. I'm a little weirded out by it. I I mean, as long as the family's signing off on it, I guess it's kind of okay, but the person is still dead. So in a way it's like, they don't, it doesn't matter, but it also feels a little to them, but it feels a little disrespectful to their memory because it's a performance they're not really giving. Okay, I see your point, counterpoint. And this is not necessarily what I believe, um, but just to play devil's advocate, uh, what if Donald Pleasance were alive? I mean, he was in uh, what six Halloween five. movies? He, was he wasn't in six, right? He wasn't in Curse. No, he was. Uh, in he, wasn't, he wasn't in three, so he yeah. wasn't five Halloween movies. So he was, you know, even as the movies um, sort of, you know, got progressively worse, he still signed on to play this role. 
Mm-hmm. And so one would say that, you know, it was something that he enjoyed doing. So had he not, if he were alive today, do you, do you not think that he would be up for reprising his role as Dr. Loomis? I, I think he would. And that would be a choice that he would be able to make for himself, though. <laughs> like it, you know, well, I think that again, the only like thing. you, you know, you you I assume that you'd have to, you know, run this by the family of the, of the estate. And, you know, if they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know. He would, he would, if you were alive, he would love to do this. He would love to have one more, one less, you know, uh, you know, chance to play Dr. Loomis. Um, it, I didn't really, it didn't, um, it didn't really take me out of the movie. Cause then again, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm aware that Donald Pleasance has passed away, but I'm thinking of, you know, the, the kid who is, you know, who watched Halloween 2018, like was excited for it to come out, you know, watch the original Halloween, watch this one. You know, it, and, and you know, we say that you know, I you want to assume everyone's kind of like yourself, but not everyone's gonna Google every fucking like caveat or every like you know bit of information on, you know, no one's not everyone's gonna hyper fixate on on, <laughs> on stuff. So, you know, that kid will probably watch Halloween. That was a great movie. Like watching Halloween 20, 2018, Like, oh, cool. Like, you know, doesn't know that the original actors did. Probably can presume. Uh, right you know based just on the based age, on but... if he understands how time works yeah and so i don't know like i i was i wasn't too messed up about it like i said if uh if the family is uh that represents uh that person's estate or you know would, would speak on their behalf is fine with it i thought it was uh i thought it was fine i mean and i i don't want to come out as saying that i specifically think it's immoral i just think that it it gave me pause so i thought it was no, worth at yeah, least bringing up yeah, it's um, it can be ethically problematic, you know. It's but uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was uh, obviously like a a brave a choice. Oh, definitely a tribute for sure. I thought it was a brave choice to um, to do that. I mean, the entire the entire opening flashback sequence is a pretty brave choice in and of itself. Yeah, the movie. So yeah, I guess we could talk about that. The movie opens like sort of in the timeline of the original Halloween, picking up with. Um, Cameron as he's you know walking home from the dance where Allison left him at the uh, in the at the midpoint of 2018 and finds officer Hawkins who turns out to who is not dead um just stabbed in the neck right but not by Michael Myers so he survived yeah Dr. Sartain doesn't know what he's doing doesn't know what he's doing (laughs) with a uh, sharp object fucking amateur hour with Dr. Sartain um trying to get into the pros by putting on Michael's mask. That's why he died so horribly. Um, but Look, man, yeah, sticking I, feathers I, up your ass doesn't make you a chicken. That's right. So anyway, but we go straight from Hawkins waking up to like, a, I think I, t- I watched the movie twice. And the second time I was timing it out, it like, it goes on for like a good 10 minutes, like yeah. of straight flashback, um, yeah. which I thought was like ambitious as hell. <laughs> Like yeah. I was kind of like on board for that. I thought it was cool. Uh, well, we we talked about how this movie um, kind of centers around the city of Haddonfield and how they respond to what's going on. Uh, you know, what's what's with with you know Michael Myers being on a rampage again, uh, and it's kind of exactly what I wanted from Halloween too. Like this wide, which is like shocking. Like I I can't believe like uh, that that I wished for this and it came true. <laughs> like watching Halloween too, I wish they, uh, 
you know, I wish Carpenter had taken a, a wider angle lens, a wider angle look on the city and how the city was affected. And that's exactly what David Gordon Green did in Halloween Kills. You saw how it affected um, your average Haddonfield citizen. We saw that there was a sort of Michael Myers survivor group with Tommy Doyle and um, the Lindsay. nurse, uh, uh, Lindsay, the, the little girl, uh, the other little girl was being ba- that was being babysat in Halloween. And uh, Marion Chambers, the nurse. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Loomis's nurse. And uh, you see how it affects, you know, how it, you know, and I, I can't help, like there was, like there's very like cheesy dialogue. Like a, a friend of ours was like, you know, Halloween kills drinking game. Anytime someone says like it ends tonight or some variation of it, uh, take a drink. You'll die of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't be wrong. I, I don't know if that's lazy script writing or if they're sort of making a commentary on how like slogan centric we are as a society. I mean, I think it's definitely like the the movie. Uh, it's heavy handed about it, but it definitely. No, yeah, no, yeah. There's nothing subtle about it. Absolutely not. I mean, like, right. they Definitely hammer you over the head with it. So, but it's but it is also a slasher film. So it's like it, you know. Yeah. It, um, but it. I mean, the mob is actually the scarier thing in this movie, really. Um, like the 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 most horrifying death to me in the movie, and I'm including some big ones. Uh, is is not done by it's not something michael does i mean it's oh, yeah, part exactly. of the fallout um so it's um without getting too deep into the spoilers but yeah so i i think that they they did some interesting things with it i think that it would have been harder to do this in the original halloween 2 because what they have the benefit of in kills is that 40 year gap right where that these people have had time to like live their lives and deal with that trauma and try to process it and you know and so like they're the town is scarred from it um so i i i liked that it i i don't think it always worked but i i admired it for trying if that makes sense i couldn't stop thinking about this movie after i watched it um because it's it's very much uh, a slasher movie. Like it's there's like make no bones about it. It's it's not trying to achieve like you know high art. It's not trying to be anything. It's not, but it's trying to say stuff within the framework that it's using. It's trying to, at least I think I think it's trying to make commentary on on our society and 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 how we are quick to. Uh, like point out a villain and and sort of take action to our own hands you know and i think this is especially prescient you know in the past you know four years especially you know considering what happened on january 6th yes and i just kept thinking about that and also kept thinking about um well let's go ahead uh uh we'll go ahead and let you know um uh we're gonna jump into spoilers if you haven't seen it I'll insert a uh, a bit of a audio to let you know about how long we go, but um, yeah, the spoiler centric portion of the episode starts now. Hey, this is Sergio telling you that if you fast forward to about the thirty minute forty forty five second mark, you will miss pretty much all of the spoilers. Thanks. You know, like the the aforementioned death you were talking about is the uh, is the other 
uh, asylum patient that escapes. And you can tell he's just scared and confused. And he's not trying to hurt anybody. He's just, he doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, if he's suffering from some sort of mental health issue, if he has been, you know, I, I can only assume that the idea that these people are after you for no reason only exacerbates that. Yes, that's a good and, point. And so, you know, so yeah, the mob literally uh, drives him to suicide. And I, I did want to say, I think this might be the first um, Halloween movie to actually deal with mental illness in a, in any way a sympathetic light because Michael is, Michael is always sort of, shown as the exception to the rule like he's the one you can't reach right that yeah. you know um he's he's presented as extraordinary but he's also for the most part the only mentally ill character that we spend any time with so like just by virtue of you know um the way that the stories are structured you know you don't really get a lot of time pondering like okay well what a what about you know, other people who are mentally ill who aren't like mindless killers, you know? And just like we talked about earlier, like Dr. Loomis was like, I can't reach him. So obviously he's evil. Like I can't, I can't, all this stuff that I learned in college, all, all, you know, every bit of psych, you know, psychology that I, that I, that I have at my disposal wasn't able, I haven't been able to reach this child. And so he must be evil. He must be, you know, uh, the satan incarnate or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) the the evil is gone from here is what he shouts when michael gets the car and drives away so i mean so anybody who's like oh that evil dies tonight thing is so cheesy just remember the evil is gone from here is a line from halloween yeah yeah (laughs) and it's not out of keeping and so you know i you know like i said like it was it was a little it was it wasn't a little heavy hand it was very heavy handed um but again like i I sort of gave it a pass because it is, it is a slasher movie. Yeah. And, and Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No. And I was going to say, and like other aspects of it, I, I really appreciate like you really, you, you find yourself um, like meeting these characters for only a couple scenes at a time, but it makes you care about them. And so it makes their deaths all the more unsettling and, and, and horrifying when they do die, like the, like the cup, like the, uh, the doctor nurse couple. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, do we ever actually find out what their names are? I can't remember. Um, and that's the thing. We might not even know their names, but we, we still care about them. Yeah. yeah, We still connect with them. Yeah. And I think that's been the strength of the David Gordon Green movie so far, right. Is that ability to make everybody human, you know, and, forgivably so except for michael of course and you know a few bad eggs like dr sartain but for the most part like people are flawed but they're not bad you know like i mean when you first see tommy and the survivors they're actually getting on the doctor and nurse couple's nerves yeah they're being loud and boisterous and drunk yeah and by two scenes later they're like bffs they're like hanging out like yeah I don't know. It, it just, it, that sort of thing like makes you care and it makes the violence that much more upsetting. Well, like, yeah, because like you said, they're, uh, like, they're being loud and drunk and boisterous. And uh, the, uh, the doctor, the, the, uh, the male of the couple is like, Hey, can you guys like chill? And they're like, Oh, sorry. Like they weren't like assholes about it. They're like, Oh, it's like, my, I'm sorry. Tommy Doyle goes up and tells a story of Michael Myers and how he was, yeah, he survived. And, 
you know, the, the doctor and the nurse kind of like a mea culpa, like, Hey, like we had no idea. We're so sorry. Let me buy, let's buy, let me buy you around. And like you said, they, yeah, they, they sort of, they, you know, they, they make up and they become, they become buddies. They become, you know, allies. Yeah. It, it's nice. It's, it, it's a good balance to the, to the darkness that, you know, that it, that is driving the story showing that like, there is warmth, there is goodness, there is humanity. Um, that I think that a lot of the Halloween sequels didn't have, or none of them really until I think Gordon Green brings a warmth that just didn't exist in the franchise until then. Not that Carpenter's was extra cold, but I just think Green really brings extra to it. Like that's, that's really his strength. Um, also, you know, like the, the, the couples, like, you know, usually when you see an old married couple in a slasher film, like one of them is be as annoying the other, like they clearly see that's the trope, right? Is they're just yeah. so annoyed with each other. They're so sick of each other. And you see two different married couples that I remember in this movie. One is a straight couple, um, that man and wife were playing with the drone and the other is big John and little John. Yeah. And they're both presented as like pretty happy or at least well-adjusted relationships like they no yeah you're exactly right they don't fall into that trope of like you say you, you know the nag and the the husband who's had enough or the the worthless like shiftless layabout and the woman who's had enough uh they seem like real people they seem like a real couple and they kind of like they have like a little like banter back and forth but it's but they you, you can tell they love each other and they care about each other and so which makes like you know all four of their deaths like especially um the first of the uh the male couple when he gets his eyes pressed in which is ever since 28 days later that has been something that is just giving me the heebie-jeebies yeah me too it's it's brutal and also like the the decision to really focus on the violence like there's really no like cutaways there's no there's hardly any like implied violence you definitely see it in this movie yeah yeah absolutely um michael like it, the violence is really turned up like it, i mean it was pretty extreme in 2018 like it the, i don't feel like that movie held back i mean there were there were deaths in that movie that were very upsetting to watch like the woman getting stabbed through the back of the neck or um the way the podcasters eat it at the gas station you know um but it feels like you and I were talking about this earlier and I'm still not quite sure why, but it almost feels like Michael is angrier now. Like, like the fire just pissed him off because he's, he's even crueler this time. Like when he's killing the, the straight married couple, like he stabs the husband like nine times different knives and then picks the 10th as like his to go weapon. Like it's almost like he's like trying to find the perfect knife oh I, I didn't think about that yeah that's how I saw it, but instead of just like tossing on the ground he's using the, the dead husband as uh as a you know as a knife board as a cutting board or something testing yeah testing ground I I mean that that makes sense I, I've been trying to figure out what the hell that was both times I'm watching it I was like why is he doing this yeah I and think I, he's I think he's trying to find the the, the kind that he likes <laughs> yeah yeah I, th- I think you nailed it um I think that's great but he's, I mean, we're getting a Michael we haven't seen before. Like there are two different sequences in this movie where Michael Myers basically has like a Batman slash old boy moment yeah. where he takes on a crowd yeah. um, and 
wins both times. And we've never really had that before. I think the closest we got is in Halloween four, when the rednecks show up and they all shoot him with their shotguns at once and blow him down the mine shaft at the end of the movie. Um, and I'm still not entirely, I mean, I think it's incredibly well shot. I think it's very effective in its visceral impact, but I'm still not quite sure how I feel about it as far as like how it changes Michael's MO because it's not something he normally does. And if that's the movie saying like, and I think the movie does kind of allude to this, right? Like that, that the more he kills, the bigger this gets. And so like, it might- Oh just- no, it's, it's no illusion. Like Lori straight up says that. Because, yeah. Um, mentioned like, you know, brings up the theory that like the more he kills, the stronger he gets. And so uh, I think by, if, if we're going by that, um, you if know, she's by, correct, yeah. if she's correct, then he's, you know, running, you know, DEFCON 5 or. <laughs> yeah. And I also, oh, one thing, another thing that I, I liked was the confirmation in this movie that it was never about Lori. Yeah. That, that she just happened to be there. Um, and that the only reason they met up again was because Dr. Sartain had a hard on for like everybody in that movie, you know, not everybody, but him and the podcasters, like a lot of people had a lot invested in that story, meaning something. And um, then it had to mean something, you know, what, um, when, I mean, it doesn't, it, if we're looking at it from this context, it, you know, it makes perfect sense. Cause I mean, like he killed two other people in Halloween and you know what's what's a third what's another third teenager you know the, just right. the mere fact that she survived you know is does it mean that doesn't mean anything right yeah it it's just she got lucky yeah i mean she was a little bit smarter but she also had a man with a gun show up at the exact right moment no i mean uh, yeah but i mean just to say like you know someone uh you know someone goes and and shoots three people right and the third one survives, you know, there's, you're not going to, you know, build up this mythology about like, you know, what's the connection between like, or like three random people, like, what's the connection? Why this third person? Like, oh, it's just like this uh, madman tried to kill three people. One of them, you know, he didn't end up killing and that's the end of it. Right. And so I, I really like the fact, and really it's the, the idea from Halloween two that they happen to be siblings is what really, uh, it carries that narrative through the entire franchise right and and makes it less interesting i think honestly no i mean just like i I always thought that the idea that that this is just a um a force of evil or a force of chaos that can reach out and touch you at any point is more terrifying than uh you know this there's a sibling connection there's a familial connection yeah and and it was interesting watching this movie wrestle with how to keep that story going um and again i don't know that it's entirely successful um but as far as things that work and don't work like it it felt like at times to me at least it felt a little like the movie was flailing a little bit which could also explain michael's kills getting more graphic and intense is because like they're trying to keep the spectacle going while they're waiting to get to the third movie where I assume Lori comes back to the forefront um, and they, you know, they bring it all home. Um, so, I, you know, and it's interesting them trying to figure out how do we keep the story going? And so the, what they seem to come up with is like, there are some people continue to ponder why is he doing what he does? 
Uh, and they come up with this pattern of like, well, he always kills and then goes home, um, which I thought was interesting. And that I, I thought also was really interesting was that moment in front of the window that, um, you know, that, that gets repeated, what, three times in the movie? Um, with with um yeah the cop who dies at the beginning and then with karen at the end and then i guess michael's doing it at one point too um that i i'm still not quite sure i can make total sense of it like in terms of like how it tracks how it reads um what it means in the larger narrative and maybe i won't be able to until halloween ends comes out next year i'm, I'm willing to admit that you know i'm not working with a full deck at this point but um you never have been no, yeah, exactly. I never have been. That's the, I, I, you know, I, I too am pure evil. You know, I just haven't killed. I've yet, been saying so it for like, years. Yeah. Yet. Nobody, nobody will take me in. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. What did, what did you think about that mirror? Not the mirror, the window thing. Uh, the window image. Like, what was your riff? Your riff on that? You seem to be understanding things about this movie better than I did. Well, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that you know, there's, there's information that that will sort of tie up or explain stuff that happened in this movie that 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 will be in Halloween ends and I think that is where this movie is it's it's weakest is because it definitely feels like the middle part of a trilogy you know like Halloween 2018 uh can operate by itself you know for all intents and purposes it it could not have had, you know, couldn't, ha- uh, or might didn't need a sequel rather, uh, you know, could have ended with them trapping Michael Myers in the basement. And then the Strode women escaping in the back of that truck. And you could have assumed like, that's it. It's over. The Strodes win. Right. Um, and then, you know, the, so the Halloween kills needs what happened before it. And it needs what's going to happen after it. Like it can't stand on its own. And so because of the, because of the way they structured it, you know, it can kind of feel disappointed. I can see why, you know, so many people are disappointed why they say the story is lacking because it doesn't have a story unto itself. It has the continuation and, you know, what will be continued, you know, it has a continuation at the beginning and then what will be continued at the end. And so there's really no, um, like you can't just pop in and watch Halloween Kills unless you just want to watch, you know, gruesome deaths, which it has that, you know, plenty of that. Oh my God, so much. <laughs> but story-wise, you know, it do, it it can't it 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 suffers by itself. Yeah, and so we we'd also talked about a little bit. Um, you know, this is the latest and sort of a a, a tr- not a trend, but it's definitely something that has happened several times in our lifetime where. Uh, there's a successful first entry and then they do a second and third movie pretty much back to back where they film them at the same time and release them about a year apart. So like we had the second and third back to the futures, you've got the pirates of the Caribbean, the matrix. um, And those movies tend to, you know, the the, tend to not be as well regarded as their predecessor. So I was kind of curious how you feel about that trend in general, about the idea of the sequels that are conceived at the same time and whether or not that's actually detrimental to both sequels. Like if it would have been better to just be like, we're going to do part two, we're going to throw in everything we can think of, maybe leave it hanging a little bit, but like it's a whole story unto itself. And then, you know, if it does well, maybe we can talk about part three, or if you actually feel like that, that structure 
kind of works for movies now because like we've we've kind of been trained as audiences to think more in terms of tv like with the marvel stuff you know um i mean it i think the idea of of like knowing like of like doing these movies back to back like filming like we're going to essentially film two movies in one shot right uh it definitely I feel that it hinders more than not because then you are operating under the, you know, you're operating under the framework that, you know, this, this movie is going to continue. So we should, you know, it doesn't need to exist on its own. I think the, I mean, look at the empire strikes back, like, you know, the probably uh, aside from the Godfather two, the perfect, you know, middle part of a trilogy. Right. And it definitely, you know, uh, you, it definitely builds on what happened in A New Hope. And then it leads into what was going on, what, what, what would happen in Return of the Jedi. But you can watch that movie and it has its own story. It has, you know, uh, it has new plot lines that aren't tied to, the first film and might carry into the third, but some of them are resolved. Like the whole plot point with, with Lando, we Lando is introduced, you know, he's an old friend of Hans. It turns out like, Oh, the asshole betrayed us to the empire. And then real, then we find out like, no, he actually was forced to do it. Now he's going to help him save. Like that's an entire like plot that is, that is held within the confines of that movie that have nothing to do with the first or the third. You know, it's like some of it pays off in the third, you know, Lando ends up flying the, the Millennium Falcon and huda huda huda. But uh, there's there's very little of that in movies like The Matrix Revolutions or, or Halloween Kills. Like a lot of it, uh, because of the nature of how they filmed it, bleeds into the third movie. And we're like, you're almost expected to essentially treat it like a, a three and a half hour film both like both parts combined yeah and i yeah i i would agree with that in general i mean as fond as i am of all of those franchises that we mentioned previously like i i enjoyed all three of the matrix movies and the third one has a very special place in my heart i know i'm very much in the minority on that but um i do feel like when it comes to movies i i do prefer it if each entry can justify its own existence by itself. Like, um, I think the dark Knight is a really good example of one that does that while still leaving things hanging, but like it, you know, it feels thematically whole. It feels like a yeah, whole story. Absolutely. I, absolutely. Um, you know, and empire, I think is another movie that feels thematically whole, even though like you want to find out what happens next. Um, right. it's still satisfying in its own right. And i so I, I, as much as I'm enjoying these and I'm excited that we get two Halloween movies two years in a row and from such a distinguished filmmaking team, I kind of wish that they had just started with one and seen where they could take it and then gone from there. Um, because I, I, it, I don't know, it just feels incomplete in a lot of, it, it feels like a, like a middle episode in a Netflix series. Like it's bridging stuff. Yeah, like that's, I mean, like, and like I said, I can understand why people have uh, the response, the, the critical response to it hasn't been as, as 
much as high as you know one would hope is because like you said like it feels incomplete and i and as much of a fan of it as i am i i i agree with that but you know where i deviate is you know i have the trust in the filmmakers that ends will will be worth will be worth you know what we didn't get in kills you know i yeah you know i and then i think once ends comes out you know if you know if the if the trend continues of you know because 2018 was a great movie and i like i really like kills you know i have no reason to think that ends won't be satisfactory i think that in retrospect you know, people will look back more kindly on kills. Like they'll say like, it doesn't really work on its own, but in, in tandem with ends, you know, it's a, it's a great one, two punch. Right. And, you know, and I, I, I also want to say that, you know, I, I know I've come down on the movie a little bit, but also like, I am definitely a fan of this franchise and have watched and rewatched many, many worse Halloween sequels than this. Um, there are, there are at least a handful <laughs> a five-fingered handful of worse <laughs> halloween movies exactly and so like that 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 i i want to balance all the criticism that you know i i've leveled against the movie so far with that with just like at the end of the day this is still one of the better halloween movies ever made like that yeah. that's just simple fact yeah i mean i i absolutely agree um so I guess let's go ahead and finish up the conversation. Just that it's, like, it's not too long of an episode. Like you said, we we really want to just discuss the uh, the movie in itself. Um, so like like we said at the beginning, it is currently as of this recording sitting at a thirty nine percent rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes, essentially a four out of ten. Uh, do you think that is fair? Absolutely not. Tell me <laughs> I think why. It's insane. Um, well, okay. So I can understand people being disappointed, especially, you know, since 2018 was so good, but 40%, when you consider the quality of the film as it's made, like, you know, that it's well-made, it's well-directed, it's well-acted, it's well-shot, it's well-scored, it moves, it's exciting, it makes sense at a narrative level. Um, I, it just seems like, unfairly maligned that seems like a really low score like i can understand like a 50 percent or something that's that's a firmly like mixed right but like 39 percent makes it sound like an absolute train wreck like like batman v superman or something and it is not batman v superman which i also enjoy by the way so don't don't ask i mean man of steel has a 56 percent rotten rating i'm saying like so i mean there's no way this movie is 17% worse than Man of Steel. No. That... No, as, as much as I like Man of Steel, like, yeah, no. Have you flipped on that? I've, I've come to terms with it. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like Henry Cavill as Superman, and um, I wish it was a different movie, but I, you know, also, you know, uh, in the desert, you drink the sand, right? Because there is no water. But yeah, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice is twenty nine percent. So like, yeah, you're, you're and that movie is just an absolute is absolutely abhorrent. That movie is it's almost e incoherent. A D bad. Um, but no, I think I think it's an un uh, hugely unfair rating. 
I, I think probably like I would be fine uh, with like a somewhere in the like low 60s, pretty much what you thought, like somewhere in the 50s, like low 60s. I because like I said, like I, I I can recognize its flaws for sure. Like you said, it is it is um, uh, a narratively incomplete film. But like I said, it's it's but like you said, it's it still does what it does very well. And I think that, you know, because it's because of the first because of that, the main issue the, the, of, of it being incomplete is is what people are really holding against it. Um, and then I think the just the fact that the horror genre as a whole is historically critically undervalued and, and unfairly maligned. Yes. I mean, we had that article we talked about that was out in Variety, right? Where uh, someone was like throwing shade on the original Halloween and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, yes. And he doubled down on that. Uh, just this week, there's another, like Owen Gleiberman <laughs> he wrote oh, another piece word. called, and the title was like, yes, Halloween is a ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And here's why. Like, he really, he really... Um, He's not backing down. He's like King Kong climbing the Empire State Building. Like, I'm going to do this. Uh, but no, like I said, I, th- I think that, um, you know, uh, a perfectly pedestrian horror movie, like slasher movie, would get slam dunked. Whereas, you know, something that is, you know, run of the mill missionary style, like rom com or Oscar bait. Uh, or Oscar bait. I mean, that, you know, people go nuts over, or at least give it a pass. Right. Um, but, you know, horror doesn't really get that that luxury. Why do you think that is? Well, I think horror and comedy specifically are very, very subjective genres uh, that press buttons that are very personal. Like, I, I think more so than other genres, like the way that they function with our base, like lizard brains or something like some, it either works for you or it doesn't. So I think that's one part of it. I think secondly, there's always been kind of a, it's gotten better in recent years, but there's always been kind of a stink on horror, you know, critically speaking, because it's somehow seen as lesser. And I think part of it is that there, the sheer amount of terrible horror, like it seems like if you want to get into filmmaking, or at least, I don't know if this is still the case, but for a long time, if you wanted to get into filmmaking and you didn't have a lot of money, as long as you could do some like gore effects and get a couple of pretty girls to take their tops off, you could make a horror film, right? Right. Um, and so like that, you know, it, it, it's only a couple steps removed from pornography at that point. Like Wes Craven literally started out directing porn before he was doing stuff like Last House on the Left or, or The Hills Have Eyes or whatever. Um, so like it, it, I think that there's kind of that, that sense of like, it's lower, it's lesser, it's vulgar. Um, and, you know, and I think that's why critics like lose their shit over a movie like Hereditary or Midsummer, which I love both those movies, but like they put kind of a, uh, uh, a critic friendly veneer. Yeah. Like a sheen on it. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like, you know, just looking at it, like, you know, something, I mean, I would even argue Halloween Sheen, Halloween Kills has a bit of a sheen on it. Like, it's really glossy for the kind of movie it is. Um, I mean, it looks great. It's like you said, like it, it, it's filmed great. It's acted well. It's scored well. You know, it's it. It looks like a big budget movie. It, it looks fantastic. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even the things they do, like when they go, like in the flashback sequences, they go out of their way to make it look like the film stock that Carpenter was using back in 78. And they do a pretty good job replicating yeah. that look. Um, like it's, so I, I think that might be part of it. Um, I, and I think that when it comes to genre movies in particular, like, and maybe not even just horror, but like sci-fi, I think like Blade Runner got terrible reviews when it came out. And I'm not saying that Halloween Kills is the Blade Runner of horror movies. Aren't but, you though? I mean, I guess, yeah. Okay. You've heard it here first. <laughs> That's going to end up on the uh, like 20th anniversary Blu-ray or whatever it is we have in 20 years, like microchip. <laughs> brain microchip uh, implantation <laughs> of Halloween uh, the blade runner of horror movies sean hamill but but the point being like that 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 fans of the genre eventually sort out the wheat from the chaff one way or another yeah. um so like if this movie is as good as you and i feel like it is you know comparatively speaking i think it'll it, its legacy will out sooner or later you know i i, I don't think it's going to go away because it's part of a major franchise so it's going to be more available than a lot of stuff um but, but yeah, sorry, I kind of went off on a tear. What do you think about the horror and why it's sort of dunked on critically? I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. Like it's, it's looked upon as lesser, as, as like you said, more vulgar. It's, um, you know, it, like, and I, th- I mean, I think you, you uh, hit the nail on the head with, you know, the, if you want to make a movie, like making a, a you know, a teen slasher movie is probably your best bet you know, hire some good looking kids, some good looking teenagers, young adults, uh, put them in uh, compromising situations, both, you know, sexually and uh, uh, I guess violently right. and um, and get the easy money, get the, you know, it'll cost you $5 million to make and you'll make, you know, 2025 opening weekend. And it's a, it's a good investment, but it's not anything that you know uh, that an artiste would do, and I really think that. Uh, and I was hoping that you know, um, you know, with the with the reviews, the positive reviews that Halloween twenty eighteen had, that this would sort of start to trend, and and stuff like Midsummer and Hereditary, that you know that um, and Parasite to to a certain yeah. extent. Well, in Jordan Peele's movies, yeah, exactly that that you know these. Um, directors with you know with a real like vision and eye for the craft uh, are bringing to the horror genre that wouldn't um, that hopefully that the critical I guess uh, hive mind would sort of start to turn and so it's a bit disappointing that uh, this movie isn't as critically successful as as uh, as its predecessor was Um, because I mean I think the horror genre is it it is important and it, and it talks about social issues in a way that that even it goes over the head of some horror fans many you horror know? fans like you know like there's like you you know you can throw a stone onto twitter and usually find uh you know some chad talking about how oh why they gotta make uh why they gotta make it about race why they got to make this movie about the LBGTQ uh, I community uh, because, you know, and then there was someone's like, you know, horror has always been political. Horror has always been queer. Horror has always been like socioeconomic, you know, there's um, like Chucky, you know, uh, it's about 
a uh, working mom who buys her kid uh, the the fun new doll that every kid wants for his birthday. Uh, so you could argue that, you know, in the middle of the 80s, it's, you know, has, uh, it's saying something about women in the workplace and how, you know, what, you know, women doing that will have, you know, dangerous and deadly ramifications at home. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And so, you know, and I don't think that's, that's too much of a reach, but I think because so many people look at it as just dumb, cheap fun that, you know, those sort of ideas often get overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, the best horror operates at a visceral level um, that really addresses things directly head on that we talk around or aren't even necessarily aware of sometimes. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think that's why critical reappraisals later on, you know, talking about like child's play, I don't know if that would have been as obvious when child play came out, but with, you know, some distance being able to look back at the social trends and everything and be like, Oh, look, what's coming out in our nightmares, you know? Um, and what I, horror tells us a lot about where we are as people. Um, yeah, it's, a, yeah, I, I think it's incredibly important. And I think it's also incredibly cathartic when it's done well, like, because at, at, at base, it's a chance for us to look death in the face and walk away. Um, even if the characters don't, we get to. Like, there's a happy ending to every horror story because we, the audience, have survived. Um, and I think that there's really something to that. And uh, I think that's part of the genre's, like, appeal and why it continues to be so popular, especially, like, with young people, you know? Um, because they, who haven't had to confront mortality in any real way yeah. yet. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, the, just the, 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 they did some study and I wish I could remember about like the chemicals that get released in your brain while you're watching a slasher or a horror film and it's working on you. And it's like, there's also this very, um, like there's a, there's an actual physical reaction your body has. That's like good. I don't want to say good for you, but it's definitely like pleasurable in a way that goes beyond like just watching a good drama or something like there's something happening with your survival instincts or something and I'm mangling it all um I wish I mean, I'd done it, more research but yeah it's a it's the reason why um you get scared and many times you you know when you you get scared but you know there's you realize there's nothing to be scared of it's like you know it's your your dad popping out of the garage or uh you know uh, a cat jumping onto a trash can you get scared and then you laugh I think it's you know that's the the that fear and coupled with the idea like that you actually are safe is what's like you know somewhat satisfying and i think that watching a horror movie sort of like you said like sort of allows you to confront that danger and in your own mortality you know from a safe space and allows you to to walk away from it yeah yeah, I, I agree completely. So I I feel like ends is, I, I also think that the it might, uh, Halloween ends might be suffering a little bit from how beloved the last one was. I think excitement was very high for this. So like, I feel like there might be a little bit of unfair, like told you so piling on going yeah. on um, that, that might be waiting it. But it's also a good example of why you shouldn't always let Rotten Tomatoes decide whether something is good or not, because like, a lot gets lost when you turn like a 2000 word review into a one sentence snippet, you know, it, 
it's a good way to see the general feeling of the critical body, but it's not an excuse for exploring art that you are interested in. You know, it's not a substitute um, for that. So, and, and it speaks, I think, to something we've maybe lost a little bit of in the aggregate um, age. I think you're absolutely right. Um, well, thank you so much for listening to our Michael Myers, Laurie Strode arc. Uh, we will be back in just a couple of weeks where we will be discussing Eternals. They got a, we got a uh, Eternals movie, a new Marvel movie, the newest entry into the MCU uh, coming out next month in November. And so what we're going to do is go back and read all the old Jack Kirby comics, the creator of Eternals, uh, read um, the series that came out in the 80s, the series that came out in the 90s. And we'll be discussing the ideas presented, you know, the I guess the genesis of those ideas and uh, and how like how in the world Disney thought like, oh, yeah, well, like, well, let's make a movie out of that. Because, yeah, it's it's an interesting choice, right? <laughs> yeah, because uh, the obviously you know one of the reasons we're doing it is to you know, you know, synergy and you know yeah, we, there's a movie coming out and but also like I I being as big as a comic fan as I am never read Eternals almost no like no little to nothing about their story and so I thought it'd be cool to go in and figure out exactly what they're all about you know what it what is it about them that you know, obviously, like, you know, Marvel's, they've got to figure out, you know, some movies to make, you know, they, they can't just, you know, they've made their Captain America's, their Iron Man's, and so they're sort of delving in what you could consider, like, um, like, B-team territory. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, I, like, I know who Ant-Man is, like, I know, I know who uh, Shang-Chi is, I, I've heard of them, I've heard of the Eternals, but really have not read any, anything uh, about them, so I think it's gonna yeah. be fun. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, getting to look at some Jack Kirby, like Jack Kirby, just straight, like uncut Jack Kirby, like not Stanley written, like Jack Kirby from back to finish so, or front to back. So uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. It should be really interesting conversation. Well, join us in two weeks for that. Thank you once again for listening. Please tell your friends to listen to us. Uh, threaten them if you have to. Uh, you don't have to make good on the threats, but I mean, just make it sound good at least. Yeah. Tell them they don't know what death is. And on that note, my name is Sergio. And mine is Sean. Be kind to yourself and others. Happy Halloween. What's going on? Is that Archie? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's getting ornery.